Chapter Four, Episode Three of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet, Episode the Third, Among the Lions, Chapter Four. The Caravan on the March. Leaving Miliana at the earliest hour next morning, the intrepid Tartarin and the no less intrepid Prince Gregory descended towards the Shelliff Plain through a delightful gorge, shaded with jessamine, caruba, tuyas, and wild olive-trees, between hedges of little native gardens and thousands of merry, lively rills, which scampered down from rock to rock with a singing splash, a bit of landscape meet for the Lebanon. As much loaded with arms as the great Tartarin Prince Gregory had, over and above that, donned a queer but magnificent military cap, all covered with gold lace and a trimming of oak leaves in silver cord, which gave his highness the aspect of a Mexican general, or a railway station-master, on the banks of the Danube. This plague of a cap much puzzled the beholder, and as he timidly craved some explanation, the prince gravely answered, It is a kind of headgear indispensable for travel in Algeria. Whilst brightening up the peak with a sweep of his sleeve, he instructed his simple companion in the important part which the military cap plays in the French connection with the Arabs, and the terror this article of army insignia alone has the privilege of inspiring, so that the civil service has been obliged to put all its employés in caps, from the extra copyist to the receiver-general. To govern Algeria, the prince is still speaking, there is no need of a strong head or even of any head at all. A military cap does it alone, if showy and belaced, and shining at the top of a non-human pole, like Gessler's. Thus chatting and philosophizing, the caravan proceeded. The barefooted porters leaped from rock to rock with ape-like screams, the gun-cases clanked, and the guns themselves flashed. The natives who were passing salaamed to the ground before the magic cap. Up above, on the ramparts of Miliana, the head of the Arab department, who was out for an airing with his wife, Hearing these unusual noises, and seeing the weapons gleam between the branches, fancied there was a revolt, and ordered the drawbridge to be raised, the general alarm to be sounded, and the whole town put under a state of siege. A capital commencement for the caravan! Unfortunately, before the day ended, things went wrong. Of the black luggage-bearers, one was doubled up with atrocious colics from having eaten the diacolon out of the medicine-chest, another fell on the roadside dead drunk with camphorated brandy, the third, carrier of the travelling album, deceived by the gilding on the clasps into the persuasion that he was flying with the treasures of Mecca, ran off into the Zakar on his best legs. This required consideration. The caravan halted and held a council in the broken shadow of an old fig-tree. "'It's my advice that we turn up negro porters for this evening forward,' said the prince, trying without success to melt a cake of compressed meat in an improved patent triple-bottomed saucepan. There is, haply, an Arab trader quite near here. The best thing to do is to stop there and buy some donkeys. No, no, no donkeys, quickly interrupted Tartarin, becoming quite red at memory of Noirot. How can you expect, he added, hypocrite that he was, that such little beasts could carry all our apparatus? The prince smiled. You are making a mistake, my illustrious friend. However weakly and meagre the Algerian Borico may appear to you, he has solid loins. He must have had them so, to support all that he does. Just ask the Arabs. Hark to how they explain the French colonial organization. On the top, they say, is Mossu, the governor, with a heavy club to wrap the staff. The staff, for revenge, canes the soldier. The soldier clubs the settler, 
and he hammers the Arab. The Arab smites the negro, the negro beats the Jew, and he takes it out of the donkey. The poor Borico, having nothing to belabor, arches up his back and bears it all. You see clearly now that he can bear your boxes. All the same, remonstrated Tartarin, it strikes me that jackasses will not chime in nicely with the effect of our caravan. I want something more oriental. For instance, if we could only get a camel. As many as you like, said his highness, and off they started for the Arab mart. It was held a few miles away, on the banks of the Shelif. There were five or six thousand Arabs in tatters here, groveling in the sunshine and noisily trafficking amid jars of black olives, pots of honey, bags of spices, and great heaps of cigars. Huge fires were roasting whole sheep basted with butter. In open-air slaughterhouses, stark-naked negroes with ruddy arms and their feet in gore were cutting up kids hanging from cross-poles with small knives. In one corner, under a tent patched with a thousand colors, a Moorish clerk of the market in spectacles scrawled in a large book. Here was a cluster of men shouting with rage. It was a spinning jenny game set on a corn measure, and cabils were ready to cut one another's throats over it. Yonder were laughs and contortions of delight. It was a Jew trader on a mule drowning in the shelif. Then there were dogs, scorpions, ravens, and flies—rather flies than anything else. But a plentiful lack of camels abounded. They finally unearthed one, though, of which the Mazabites were trying to get rid. The real ship of the desert, the classical, standard camel, bald, woebegone, with a long Bedouin head, and its hump become limp in consequence of unduly long fasts, hanging melancholically on one side. Tartarin considered it so handsome that he wanted the entire party to get upon it. Still his oriental craze. The beast knelt down for them to strap on the boxes. The prince enthroned himself on the animal's neck. For the sake of the greater majesty, Tartarin got them to hoist him on the top of the hump between two boxes, where, proud and cosily settled down, he saluted the whole market for the lofty wave of the hand and gave the signal of departure. Thunderation if the people of Tarascon could only have seen him! The camel rose, straightened up its long, knotty legs, and stepped out. Oh, stupor! At the end of a few strides Tartarin felt he was losing color, and the heroic Chechia assumed one by one its former positions in the days of sailing in the Zouave. This devil's own camel pitched and tossed like a frigate. "'Prince! Prince!' gasped Tartarin, pallid as a ghost, as he clung to the dry tuft of the hump. "'Prince, let's get down. I find—I feel that I m must get off, or I shall disgrace France.' A deal of good that talk was. The camel was on the go, and nothing could stop it. Behind it raced four thousand barefooted Arabs, waving their hands and laughing like mad, so that they made six hundred thousand white teeth glitter in the sun. The great man of Tarascon had to resign himself to circumstances. He sadly collapsed on the hump, where the fez took all the positions it fancied, and France was disgraced. End of chapter 4 of Episode 3